Welcome to the Habits to Goals podcast with Martin Grunberg. It's time to take control of your life. Are you ready to achieve goals faster and more consistently than ever before? You need the habit factor. You're listening to Habits to Goals, the podcast that helps you create the habits that lead to success. And here is Martin Grunberg. Alrighty, here we go. Welcome back. Thank you very much for joining me. My name is Martin Grunberg. You have reached Habits to Goals. Yes, the only podcast consistently reminding you that when you conscientiously, I know, big word, craft intentionally, another big word, habits and align them to your goals, you achieve them more quickly. Today, I'm very pleased and excited. We have a fantastic, in fact, a phenomenal entrepreneur in the studio, Michelle Cripolani. He is, and I, he's going to be a lot more than I'm going to summarize here, but he is a at least a two-time current CEO, long time, it sounds like 10 years now, CEO of Ocean House Media, who is, if you're not familiar with them, they are purveyors of fantastic apps, including, if not all, the Dr. Seuss apps and many phenomenal personal development apps, at least two of which are Michelle's personal apps, meaning he developed them. He's the artist, the inventor behind them. On top of that... He is the CEO of Xtality, which is something we're going to get into. I know this is a long intro. Um, a couple more things. He is a leader of leaders. He's a former president of San Diego Entrepreneurs Organization. And currently, I'm eager to learn about this, Michelle. He is the MG. He's part of the Marshall Goldsmith. It looks like it's MG100 Pay It For Forward coaching program. So again, a great honor, a privilege to have you in studio, Michelle. Thank you. How are you well, doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for that uh, amazing and long <laughs> intro. And I'm, it's too bad we've run out of time. Thank you so much for having me. That's today. right. <laughs> Ten minutes later. No. So this is fantastic. Thanks for coming into the studio. Happy to um, be here, Martin. It's if nothing else, honestly, I said this earlier, it's a great excuse for me to catch up with you. Uh, so I use this as a tool to do that. We customarily kick this off with something called the GTR, the Good Things Report. I want to say we flip for it. Uh, you get to choose. What I wanted to say is I've already talked way too much. So I'm hoping you want to go first, but it's your call. I'm happy. I'll go. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'm happy to go. So I'm going to go with two. One uh, Great. personal, just came back from a fantastic family vacation. Even though with all the stuff I do, you mentioned, I always put family first. Family first. So I went with uh, on a great Southeast vacation with uh, my wife, my two daughters, and even my mother-in-law and did uh, wow. work. Yeah. So <laughs> Vietnam, Cambodia, wait, Macau. Wait. Yeah, come on. Mother-in-law. Totally. That is family first. That's right. That's oh, right. Um, and then on the business side, on the Excelity side, one of the things that we're super excited about is we're playing in the augmented reality space. We can talk about that a little bit more if you like. We've just uh, delivered our first major uh, consumer-facing product. It's going to be for CNN, and it's on the Magic Leap device, and we just love being at the cutting edge or bleeding edge of technology. Yeah, I'm really interested in learning more about Xtality. And, yeah, you, uh, <laughs> I want to say some sort of hero's medal. That sounds like two weeks in Southeast Asia, is that what you said? That's right, yeah. Ooh. All right, with the kids, the whole family, beautiful. Excellent. I'm going to give you a little pound over the mic. And right uh, so my GTR, you may or might not know this, but we are both, uh, we're both in the two daughter club. Uh huh. And so my eldest, she's 18 and a half ish. Um, so she's settled on a college. Uh -huh. This is my GTR. And the fact is, I don't want to get too much into details, but she settled on a college. The price wasn't exactly right. Yeah. In other words, there was a bit of a discrepancy between where daddy wanted to go 
and where mommy and daughter really, really wanted. Like it was a 10 for them. It was a six for me. I wasn't uh-huh. going to draw a hard line in the sand. Yep. But it wasn't ideal. Um, so we made the commitment. We went up there. We did the whole picture thing, the sweatshirts. And the very next day, we got a letter from the university. And she was awarded, because she worked her ass off. Yeah. Um, basically, a scholarship of merit award for the Delta. Nice. The amount. Nice. It was a substantial amount over awesome. four years. Yeah. Well, I'll so give that's you a my GTR. Thank that. you. Good for you. All right, Michelle. So Good. we got that out of the way. The Done. first thing we like to do right after the GTR is take us back, maybe talk about where you grew up, where you went to high school. Sure. We want the, you know, two, three minute kind of overview of where you went to college and, and then how we're going to go, how that segues into your entrepreneurial journey. Sounds good. Well, so say, where'd you wake up? I mean, wake up, grow <laughs> up. Where'd you wake up? <laughs> so I was born in Canada, but I didn't live there very long. My, my yeah, my Another family. Canadian. Yeah. Uh, so we moved to the East Coast. Uh, my dad was an engineer. And uh-huh. as an engineer, we went wherever the projects were being built. He did instrumentation and control of the large power plants. So um, I actually ended up going to about 11 different schools growing up. Wow. Three different countries. So um, I did all of my elementary school, either East Coast, out and then out to California. But seventh and eighth grade, I was in South Korea. Seoul foreign but, but school. But it wasn't military. No. It was just. It was civilian engineering work. And my dad just picked up the whole family. Incredible. And we would literally move wow. houses wow. every 18 months. Wow. So ninth grade was Australia. And then 10th grade was Bay Area. And, you Good know, 11th to 12th grade, Southern California. And so by the time I found Vagabond. my way to, yeah, UC San Diego, um, I was ready to plant myself. And so I, you know, have been in San Diego a long time. Um, I ended up going into UC San Diego pre-med. I got in pre-med. Before you go there. Oh, yeah, sorry. sure. No, my fault. Yeah. I, high school. Yes. Where was that? Laguna Hills. It, okay. for, yeah. Yeah, which is in Orange County, California. Yeah. But, but actually, to be fair, I went to four different high schools. So I four. say I say Laguna Hills because that's the one I graduated uh-huh. from. Yeah. What was the, what was so the, the so the first I'm one was curious. was uh, Apple Cross in wow. Western Australia, Perth, Western oh, Australia, and then uh, Mission. There's only four years in high school. In I Europe. know. Oh my goodness! Right, wow. right. And somehow you you managed to keep great enough grades to go to UCSD. Yes. And then your major somehow. Is what? Um, so I w- I got into school pre medical biophysics, if you can believe it. I can. Well, I, I know you're brilliant. I don't. I don't know because uh, <laughs> my grades today would not have gotten me in. But there must have been something in right. the in the application or whatever. Right. So, um, and yeah, so I'm fortunate enough to find myself at UCSD. But the thing is, I I always had a passion in production. I wanted to do film and video, and so I ended up switching my degree in my very first year of college. Was that a daddy or a mommy degree that you kind of? Yes, I was guided into and then realized your passions were elsewhere. Yeah. So my, you know, my dad always told me, um, I want you to be a doctor or a lawyer. Right. But the reason was he said, I want you to be your own boss because to him, he'd always been engineer and he always ran into trouble or didn't like the corporation thing. Well, all he should have said, he was flying all over the world. I'm kidding. But no, I, but all he he should have said is, I want you to be your own boss and, and not solve the problem for me. Well, obviously, you know, now. That's what parents do, man. Right. So, um, I, it actually caused a lot of strife for my I'm dad sorry. for, for about four years. My dad and I were in a bad spot because he didn't think that switching to visual arts was going to pan out for me. And he probably had good reason to sure. come from that perspective. But what happened is after I graduated, I had a really great internship. And about eight days after graduating from UCSD, mm-hmm. I ended up starting my first company. With a, with a gentleman that I had met at that internship. So I literally became a entrepreneur without thinking that I would ever run a business because some guy that I met said, right. Hey, do you want to do this? And I was like, sure. I got nothing else right. to do. Well, I got, I got a visual arts degree in that company was called move design, move, move design. And it was, um, 1989. We are talking. 
five, almost six years before the internet as we know it at all right. ever became Wait, anything. Were you a graphic designer? Is that what you I was, I was a programmer, okay. but I also had an art background because that was my degree. Okay. And I was writing scripting language programming on early Macintosh 2 computers that were barely doing color yep. before computers had CD-ROMs built in on them. And we were trying to sell what would now be considered, you know, um, digital design, you know, marketing services to companies who they, we, we were a design <laughs> yeah, agency right. before people knew that right, they needed a, right, a digital design right, agency. A little ahead of your time. Yeah, probably about <laughs> eight years, or 10 right. years at least. Right. Really way no, out there on the cutting incredible. edge and did some amazing, I mean, one cool project I did at that time, I'll just mention it because maybe the listeners are interested. Um, I programmed the world's first um, interactive magazine. It was a multimedia magazine. It was delivered on CD-ROM and it had this concept Fantastic. of like, yeah, there was words that were like underlined and you could click on it. It would take you somewhere else. It was we called it a hyperlink. Yeah. No one was doing that kind of wow. stuff at that time. And we were coding it up. So we just, I love being out on the bleeding edge and that it started right at the very beginning. That is bleeding edge. Yeah. Yeah. That's super bleeding edge. Um, so what's the next venture? after that sure so move design was there about two years about two years yeah yeah um learned a little bit about how to run a business and learned a lot about um you know what i wanted to do um i had a desire to to build a game you know cd-roms were becoming popular um they still weren't built in in every machine and i thought well what if i could build a game that would be on a cd-rom this like take advantage of the new technology got together with some buddies from high school and college and we ended up coming up with this concept of a game called the Journeyman Project. And what year is this? So About we started working 92. on it in 91. It took us two years to build it. Um, it took us $70,000 of investment from friends and family. We basically took loans from people, friends, family, fools, and said that we would give them 10% on their money. Uh-huh. We rented a couple houses here in San Diego. And that like where we lived is where we worked. And it was eighty to hundred hour weeks, and, you're and we Microsoft Mini, and we basically Everybody's getting pizza and totally. Coding. Oh yeah, okay. uh, mac and cheese, whatever. Right. Um, and we uh, we delivered the world's first photorealistic adventure game. We we took it to Electronic and that was Arts, Journey. the Journeyman Project. Okay. Yeah, uh, we Electronic took it to Arts. Electronic Arts, one of the largest video game companies in the world. Yep. And they basically looked at us and said, "Okay, well, let me get this right." So, um, <laughs> right. it doesn't work on the 12-inch Macintosh, which was the popular one. It requires a 13-inch. Yeah. Okay. It has to have a color screen. Right. Okay. It has to have a CD-ROM. Okay. And it has to have eight megabytes, megabytes right. of RAM right. in order to work. And they looked at us and said, well, we'll be happy to publish it if you want. We can give you this whatever percentage. And we project that we can sell 4,000 copies this year. Uh-huh. And we looked at them and said, well, that's nowhere near enough. Right. The, the the percentage isn't even the issue. Like 4,000 copies doesn't make back our 70 grand. <laughs> yeah, so, you're thinking how are we going right. to pay? So being the entrepreneurs that we are, uh-huh. we decided that we were just going to self-publish it, direct. sell it out of our garage, do it direct. And wouldn't you know it, that year we sold a hundred thousand copies of the game. How did you market it? We literally just went to all of the, uh, got it, stores. Whatever, what, like, whatever it took. And we were packaging the products in our kitchen, putting them in boxes in the garage, and, <laughs> and every day UPS would show up. We were it. Call the phone was, number. Really? I mean, it was, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That must have been a wild ride. It was a fun, crazy time. That is incredible. Yeah. I think I saw some of those pictures. Uh, like in the newspaper, oh, yeah. you, you posted. Oh yeah, just classic. Yeah, we were all in our early twenties, and it was great. So then that ends up. Every, all these things, from my experience, have life cycles. They do. They do. <laughs> and, and so, what so, what year does that end up? So Presto's life cycle was about eleven years. That's and good. Yeah, it, well, it was great. We got to at one point about forty two employees. We had nice offices. Beautiful. We ended up roughly doing one game a year. We each game would take about two years, and we had two right. teams. We'd cycle them. Mm-hmm. Um, towards the tail end of that company, we ended up doing uh, Mist three. You know, Mist at the time was the number you one. You did Mist. Mist three, the you third one. You developed it. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, Mist 1 and 2 was done by uh, Rand and Robin Miller up at up in Cyan. I did not know that. But, okay. yeah, I remember. Look, yeah. I worked at a place called yeah. Computer City. Yeah, and sure. And that was the biggest right. game. 
Right. So, so from the, like ninety two to ninety four. Right. Oh my god. So the Journeyman project uh-huh. shipped in January of ninety three. Wow. Mist shipped in the fall of ninety three. Okay. Our little game shipped a couple hundred thousand copies. Right. Mist sold eight million. Yeah. So we were contemporaries sure. with them again, a little bit early, yada sure, yada. Sure. Maybe yeah. the wrong genre, some details. But <laughs> what happened is the the two brothers did Mist, and then they did Riven. Right. And they basically said. We're not going to do any more games together, the two of us. This is impacting our relationship. Wow. But the publisher said, we want more missed titles. And they said, well, if you're not going to do them, is there someone else that could? And someone threw out the name Presto. Go talk to the guys at Presto. Presto Studios. Presto. And they came down and we bid on it. We landed the rights. So we ended up being the developer of Mist 3. I actually see a theme. And this is where we learn about rights. Yes. Uh, yes. Big. Yes. Oh, oh we. Oh, oh, yes. What a guess. All right. Absolutely. Prop, like, props to me. Uh, yeah. Licensing and branding licensing. And, and the difference between doing original content and <laughs> right. bringing in. Right. Because at Presto, we, had, we, we started right. doing stuff with, um, we did a Star Trek game. We did a Gundam game. We did a Stephen King thing. And then Mist came along. And, you know, I look at that game and it's like, that's 21 months of my life. In right. a box. Wow. It was literally like everything I did for 21 wow. and months. And you were the CEO in, of that company? I was or? the CEO of the company okay. and I was the executive producer of that game. And in executive May... Executive producer. That must have consumed oh, it's, every I mean, it ounce could, of energy. It consumed a lot. And, so, it, and in May of 2002, it was the number one selling mm-hmm. PC game in the U.S. That is so fantastic. Props to you. That's fun. So then let's uh, fast forward this yes. to Ocean House. Sure. Talk about the the fledgling, the genesis of Ocean House. Sure. That might be a great segue. We were talking about rights. No problem. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll be happy to connect the two together. Yeah. I mean, after 11 years, well, it was time for me to step away from right. Presto. I don't know I if took, that was a direct connection. Well, it kind of kind was. Of I mean, I, I took two years off and Good. didn't work. I needed to refresh myself. Right. So I did a lot of uh, traveling, yoga, meditation. Good. Um <laughs> I ended up accepting a corporate job for four years. I worked for Autodesk. We'll just leave that as is. Yeah. <laughs> Other than to say that I learned some things about how to run a business and, and fiscal responsibility to. and the rest of it. Um, and then as we wow. hit um, the job? fall. Yeah. How do you spell that? Exactly. J-O-B. I have no idea. All right. Um, did it once. So um, fall of 2008. I found myself unemployed from Autodesk. The stock market had crashed. Yes. I was a very expensive employee living remote in a very nice beach town. And someone said, hang on right. a second. This doesn't look right. Right. So by this stage, I was married. I was living in a big right. house. And I had a, a newborn, basically five-week-old baby at home. Holy. And um, my wife looked at me and said, what do you want to do next? And I said, <laughs> I said, you know what? I think it's time to start another business. Great. Because I was, you know, right. she had never known me as the entrepreneur. Wow. She only met me when I I was at Autodesk. So, and I said, well, she let's met go. you at Autodesk. She met me when I Your was working at Autodesk. met you at Autodesk. She wasn't was at she Autodesk, but that was, no, no, no. Oh, so, oh. That, that was the job. Got it. That was, Got it. The, Got it. there's that three letter word again that I had. Hang on one sec. So you do not meet her at Autodesk. I don't meet her at Autodesk. I, I meet her while I'm working at okay. Autodesk. Right? That's working? all I'm saying. She wasn't working. Well, she was an actress. She was an oh, actress. Great. So she was working, but she was working on it up. So Karen was, had been an actress in Los Angeles for 13 years. And yeah, that's a whole separate other. Right. We won't go down that road. Yeah. But love and marriage podcast. Love and marriage. Um, bottom line, as I said, I, you know what I was to her is I was that guy who was always taught like the, like the, um, the high school yeah, quarterback yeah. and saying back in the so day, great. I did this and I did that. And Boy so, State and there I was all of a sudden and I said, you know what? I think it's time to do it again. And she said to me, no problem on the condition that within six months, you're at least back up to your Autodesk level salary. Wow. And I'm thinking that's a pretty steep thing. Not I said, only that, yeah. I mean, Ballsy by her to just well, <laughs> yeah. draw you, the line you've in the met Karen. <laughs> so, yeah, I know, I have. So uh, lovely bride, ab- lovely, and I'm yes, 
gratitude every day. Props to her for so, uh, throwing down the gauntlet. So I go to her and I say, okay, well then we need some seed capital to get this business started. Right. So, you know, what is that? How much does that take? And I'm telling her. So it's an app business is what you're telling her? Something in app. Steve Jobs has been on stage. He held up an iPhone. I think we got to do it. You know, from my experience, you know, I'm thinking I need about a hundred thousand to get this business started. She looks at me and she says, I'm a lot more comfortable at 10 thousand. Right. Now, you know, Either way, that may sound like a lot of money, right. but at the end of the day, you kind of need something to get things started. And we did have some right. resources. Sure. And like any good marriage, we met in the middle. Good. And we started with ten thousand dollars. That's that's good enough. <laughs> so, um, right. Resourcefulness. Resourcefulness. Yeah. So um, yeah, no, we had this idea that that the, we believed that the app economy was going to take off, and that we could license content in. And that brands would eventually dominate search within the app store. Yep. And we went on a licensing spree and we, we, we landed some very large, um, agreements, including Dr. Seuss. So we're going to repeat that. Okay. Because I think that's really important. The okay. insight mm-hmm. as you're laying out what this company looks like. Right. You see, you see for the listener here, what he sees is an evolving landscape. Right. And. Then he asks himself, what, what does it look like in five years? Oh, not even and, two to three years. Yeah. And, and, yes. and then what is its real value? Right. It's a search engine in many ways. Right. This could be super valuable to brands who don't see what I see. Right. So I'm going to go talk to them. That's right. And say, I'll do all the heavy list lifting. We'll just That's right. create an arrangement, a licensing deal. That's right. Brilliant. And that's exactly what happened. The first time I sat down, for example, with the president of Dr. Seuss, right. um, I said, we would like to build an app of the Dr. Seuss content. And sh- the first thing, first words She's out of like her mouth were to the effect of, why on earth would we want to do that? Right. Like right. Th- there was a whole education process. Right. It was so early. Well, I think it's a testament to, and we talk about it all the time on the show, uh-huh. a vision. Mm-hmm vision about seeing out there in the future. So so they're caught up. They're obviously a little older and they live in this world of books and mm-hmm. and you're you're looking out here and you're saying, Let's build an app. And right. they're like, what's an app? Why that's would right. anybody want to do it? And, that's right. And so that's pure vision. Mm-hmm. So it's great. Keep going. Sorry. No, that's <laughs> right. I mean, it's a, it, and it was it's such, such a, an honor. And we're, we're, you know, we're so fortunate we've been able to have that relationship with them. We're about to come up on our 10 year anniversary mm-hmm. of working with Dr. Seuss. Incredible. Um, but you know, the bottom line. And those have won awards too. Oh, they've won lots of awards right. and we've sold millions of copies and it's, you know, um, Apple has featured them and we've been super fortunate. And I work with a great team that develops a really fantastic, great product. Yeah. You know, there, there's a lot of love and passion in them. And we're teaching kids how to read on iPads, yeah. right? So, I mean, how does it get any better than that? Right. So really, it's a, yeah. it's a triple win. Win for the brand, win for you, win yep. for the end user. Right. So, so that we feel, we feel is... fortunate. Synergy at yes. its finest. Right. Um, okay. So there's a few different directions to go. I want to kind of pause and okay. look back. And if you were to assess those three ventures, mm-hmm. um, I this is a bit different because I have, don't typically do this with my interviews. But but I'd like you to kind of look back and see: Are there any? Either common lessons, common themes, things you would do differently. Um, you're you're much more, I would venture to guess, and I know this is the case, uh, savvy entrepreneur now, having been through those experiences. So, so what might be not to put you on the spot, but just thinking out loud here, what might be the the great if there's one or two or three lessons to take from any of those. So I would say one of the biggest lessons that, um, one of the ways that I look at businesses is I don't uh, often go to ask other people for venture investment or any type of investment to start a business. Um, I'm comfortable starting a business with a very small amount of money. $10,000 may not sound like a small amount of money to many of your listeners, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, regardless, 
it's a fairly small amount when you consider the size of the ventures that we were able to build. Sure. Um, uh, I believe sometimes that people go get money and then they think that they've won the war when the reality is getting the money is just the first stage. You're not really a business until you have a consumer that's willing to give you money for your product at a price that is higher than what it costs you to develop it. That's great. Right? Until you have that, you don't have a business. I agree. I think resourcefulness, we touched on it before, but but this idea – and proof of concept. So proof of concept, minimum proof, viable product, right, whatever right. whatever you want to call it. Right. All of these things are, are critical. Yeah, not. I think Cuban often says the same thing. It's like the last thing you want to do is raise too much money. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing you want to do is is prove that there's a market. That's right. That's great. Anything that's else? Right. Um, have a great team around you. Great have a team. great team. That's invested some way, somehow, whether they're invested in the business or they're invested in the product. One of the ways that we were able to scale um, Ocean House to do um, 600 apps in 10 years is that um, in many cases, most cases, people that work on the products um, are invested in it. They're either invested in it directly in royalties on the apps or they're invested because they par- get to participate in the royalty plan as part of the company right. or whatever it happens to be. But um, the right people that were, were um, everything aligns, right? Motivations align. Right people, motivations align. I'm just writing it down. I love it. Yeah, time and again, because the wrong people are friction. <laughs> or or. Or cancer, right? Well, yeah. Whoa, really? Wow, yeah. I mean, no, absolutely. I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm I know. Not, I know. It's like the I'm bad not. apple in the barrel type thing. Yeah, yeah. That's bad. That's bad. Anything else? I know there's probably a million, but don't hit me. Okay, so let's since we're talking about Ocean House Media, okay, and you have at least a couple apps yourself. I do. Talk about them okay real quick okay pick any order you want sure so uh i mean i can talk a little bit i know about when i i want to learn more about that's fine i can talk a little bit about commit to three so commit to three is a is an app that i came out with um gosh i'm not sure even how many years ago now it was it's got to be at least six years maybe more um and really um i was asked to give a ted talk Right. And the TED Talk was, you know, tell us about success and right. how you have it and how you found it in life. And it caused me to really think through what has enabled me to have success in life. And I did a lot of research on successful people. And at the core, I found that one of the biggest habits that people <laughs> right. have, successful people right. have, yeah, yeah. is they stop and think and plan their day. Yeah. And they really think through what are the three most important things that I need right. to do each and every day. And it doesn't matter whether you put it on a piece of paper or a post-it or whatever. What matters is that you go through the process. Right. Knowing me being a software guy, I ended yep. up putting a software platform Perfect. in place. Yeah. We actually use it as our standing company meeting every day, our daily huddle. Everyone does their commit to threes. We're all in a group in the software. Um, we all see each other's commits, and as the day goes on, we check them off and we get updates. So we get a little bar graph that shows how many people made commits, how many people completed commits, and it really just – all it does is it facilitates communication. Yep. It facilitates intention, and then it facilitates communication and accountability. And accountability. That's right? where I was going. Right. Team yeah. accountability. Beautiful. So um, – it's interesting because, you know, um, it's a little bit long in the tooth. I'm actually interested in rewriting it, and it's it's done wonders. <laughs> you, I'm you just know? laughing because you think it's long in the tooth. I mean, the right. habit factor has yeah. is going on 10 years in, in a month. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, can, can I tell you one cool thing about yeah, Commit please, to 3? Please. It has been used, meaning opened or launched by users on mobile devices over a million times. I believe it. Right. And the number of commits that are made, I, I don't even, I don't have it off the top of me, uh, the top of my head. But, uh, I mean, how cool is that? It's incredible. Yeah. And what, where I was going is, uh, a couple, a couple angles. But first, this yeah. show is called Habits to Goals. Right. It exists because the habit factor exists. Right. The driving force behind, and I mean forces in universal yeah. forces yeah. behind what I would suggest to you is the great success of Commit to Three. Mm-hmm is 
dare I say, the habit factor. The fact that this right habit of developing commitments mm-hmm. and then sticking to them. Right. It's exactly the process you reverse engineered. I think right. it's, I think it's brilliant. So there there is great alignment here. It's no accident that oh, you're we, sitting here. Uh, you know talking. that, and I'm a big fan of your work. Well, we no, speak look, the same language. We, we absolutely speak the same language. So what is the other app? So the other app is called Mindset for Success. I'm glad you did this in this order because it's <laughs> perfect. So Mindset for Success um, started as an experiment, Martin. I was trying to figure out um, how do you get your mind in the right place right. to have a successful day. New listener, the quickest way to get up to speed here at Habits to Goals to understand how it is you are going to craft intentionally the good supportive habits that will help you reach your goals more quickly. The process we follow is PAR. Plan, act, record, and reassess. That's it. It's fairly simple. You have three ways to get your free tracking sheet, which will get you straight up to speed very quick. So you can go to thehabitfactor.com forward slash templates. You can text the word habits, H-A-B-I-T-S, to 33444. And <laughs> finally, to give you additional resources, just use your favorite search engine or and or Google and just type PAR, P-A-R-R, and the Habit Factor. For those of you looking for a super Super deep dive on habit. The book, that's right. It's almost 10 years old. Check out the habit factor on Kindle. It is, I believe it's $3.99 or $4.99, practically free. Of course, it gives you not just a deep dive on habit, but, but really walks you through the habit factor process. So there are a handful of options for the new listener. And I found that I was overloaded in any given morning on what should I read? What should I look at? Like I'm a big reader, podcast, whatever. There's all these different ideas of things that I can do today. But what am I supposed to do today? So what I did is I wrote out hundreds of things that I could do on any given day. Wow. That would help me to move forward. Wow. Programmed up, had the team program up a system that gave me three randomized suggestions just for me, personalized today. Wow. Today, right. you could focus on something athletic, focus on something diet related, do something whatever, journal or whatever it happens to be. And every day that I launch the app, it can give me three totally different suggestions. Now, one might say it's just random out of a collection out of hundreds. Or one might say the universe gives me exactly what I'm supposed to hear sure, sure. today. Right. And oftentimes, which, I can launch the app. and every day. Right. So, um, but here's the, here's the really cool thing about it. So it's called Mindset for Success. Mindset for Success. And it's available on the uh, the app store, but you know, various app stores. And it's the Michelle Cripolani. Yes. All right. Um, here was the coolest thing for me. Halfway through recording this, Mm um, my voice, hours and hours and hours of recording, right? Okay. Um, that all get edited together. It dawns on me uh-huh. that I am recording the ultimate legacy piece sure. for myself and my family right. because someday if something tragically happens to me, God right? Forbid. Yes, I see where you're going. My young daughters have the opportunity to hear me coach them yeah. five minutes every day in my voice with words that were important to me. Yes. And I'm passing forward what was important to me in Another my Another fist pump over the mic. Right. That's oh, beautiful. So I finished it with right. gusto I bet. because I realized that people around me and close to me, I wanted to give back to them. And so this has changed now. A lot of my focus now is moving on legacy. Yeah. We're going to have to definitely bring you back and go through the whole legacy because I know you're working on that book. I'm working on a book and about it. I'm speaking nice about it. That's absolutely But we right. are constrained in time. No problem. As long as we're talking about mindset for success. Yes. Do your best to frame up, define in your, <laughs> I'm afraid to say it, uh, define the mind. Define the mind? Yeah, sorry. This is why these people listen, though. Every once in a while, I go deep. And, and it's okay good. if you, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to 
No, it's all right. You know, um, there's a battle happening. And I would say that the, my my mind yep. is what um, thinks it is uh, thinks it may be in control of my life, and it's driving it from the perspective of ego, right? So I I almost equate uh, ego with mind. Okay, uh, who am I? And I believe that there's something deeper that's um, spirit or intuition, and as I get deeper. Um, my goal is to sort of shut out the mind or quiet it or um, almost ignore it. And uh, there, there seems to be a battle of who's in charge and who's driving the ship. Got it. Great. But not but. And yes. the mind is, I'm presuming you're going to say it's not just this organ between the ears called the brain, right? No. Okay. So the mind is different, we could say, for fun purposes of discussion, bigger, certainly different than the brain. A lot of people interchange those like the same thing. I think it's an important distinction. Okay. So just, and then so when we talk about a mindset. Yes. And that's certainly your app. So. Well, mindset is intention. Right. Right. Mindset yep. is intention. So what's the, you know, what's the intention for you, each of us individually to have a successful day each and every day? And, Beautiful. Um, yeah. So that is, I think you're reading off my sheet, the most perfect segue I could ask for define, as long as we're defining mind, define mm. success. Define <laughs> because success. you just said it's yeah. the intention yeah. for success. So the question is, what is what is success, Michelle? So in the beginning, when I was younger, I used to define. When I was a young man. I used to define success by a lot of things that were um, ego driven, right? And and basically, if it would stroke my ego, then that would be something towards success. And I've gone through my fair share of you know fast cars and flashy stuff and whatever. Um, and I'm past that now. I like to think so. Um, and I've reached a point as it loops back in on legacy where I really think about like, um, success being what I can leave behind for others, um, in terms of knowledge, um, in terms of helping them to live an easier life in terms of breadcrumbs, that will um, help them. Um, so success to me is um, peace of mind and happiness, having enough to be worry-free and to be able to uh, contribute and give back to uh, my partner, my family, my relationship, the world. I would say that captures 80% of what I would define success as. That's beautiful. I just, I have it as a patent question here that I like to ask. All right. And uh, I'm always fascinated when I have successful entrepreneurs like yourself. I like to dig in a little. I think the challenge that I've seen, um, if you were in a room with 100 people and you ask them, who wants to be a success? Yeah. They would all raise their hands. Yeah. And then if you ask them to define success, yeah. all the hands would go down. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> and it's hard. It's yeah. It's hard to hit a target you can't see. So I, I right. think what I tend to find is the people I interview mm. who who or whom I consider successful tend to have some sense of feel for their values and how yeah. they define success. It's obviously, it's very personal, yeah. but, and, and it changes over time, just yeah. like values do. Yeah. But I, I, the reason I bring it up over and over in my interviews, listener, yes. is because, hint, hint, the clue is by doing the hard work internally, mm-hmm. figuring out what success means, figuring yeah. out what the values, yeah. that's where the outgrowth comes from. Yep. Which, oh my gosh, there's so much ground to cover. I'm going to deviate from one of my great questions here. Okay. 
to because I talked about outgrowth and I remembered I I need to hear some a little bit I we need to hear about the Marshall Goldsmith sure. Pay It Forward sure. program the MG100 sure he shares my initials so it's got to be good MG100 talk to me so Marshall Goldsmith is the number one executive coach <laughs> in the world and he has written. 30, 35 plus books, at least four or five are New York Times bestsellers. Um, I, I personally have been impacted by him in some major ways with his writing. Right. And um, I reached out to him and I basically just said, I need to buy you a coffee or get to know you or something. And oh, he right. invited me to start hanging out with him. I went for a walk with him one day and that walk turned into a friendship. And I would meet with him every so often. And one day, um, he was telling me about all these things he'd done and he went to Russia and he spoke to 10,000 people and then he went to China and did this and went to whatever. And, and then he turned to me and said, so what are you working on? And I said, well, I did this little app, you know, right. Mindset for success, you know, and he looked at it and he said, I need one of those. Can you do, can Can you you do do one for for me, me? for me, for my legacy? And I said, well, of course, Marshall, we could right. do that. And that would be an honor to do it. So in the span of that one conversation, I committed to building the Marshall Goldsmith coaching app using that same architecture and framework that I had designed for myself. Right. And then separately, he invited me to be a part of his um, 100 coaches program, the MG100, which is an amazing program in a nutshell, which right. is to take you know, Marshall is taking himself as the number one executive coach in the world and saying, I've reached a stage in my life where I'm going to take a hundred people. I'm going to teach them everything that I know about how to coach, how to lead, how to grow leaders. And the only way that they pay me back is by paying it forward. That's the deal. Which I had to you're make going to go out and do the same thing. That's it. I have to go out and have an impact on the world forward, right? That's it. So it's just creating this propagating thing. So um, now it's been about a year and a half that I've been involved. We get together every two or three months. We get to meet with incredible CEOs. Everyone in the program is um, unbelievable. They're making a movie on Marshall's life. Uh, The app that we did for him is out. And um, I just feel like I'm at the beginning of another um, journey, another road, you know, as I, as I get, older and I have more white hair, I'm like, I love this idea of coaching people and mentoring people and paying it forward and helping them out. And so it's not too much white hair. No, it's getting there. My, (laughs) my, my daughters remind me how much Uh, it is. Daughters are brutal. (laughs) Um, so the biggest thing that stands out there, yes, other than the phenomenal human that, that you and Marshall are is the initiative you took, uh-huh. I think that cannot be um, emphasized enough for right. the listener, the right. initiative. So, right. so why, what, what's going on in your life? Why, why are you reaching out? Where's the intuition coming from? What, what makes you think this guy's going to want to have a cup of coffee with you? So I'm a big believer that um, if you want to see what your life is going to look like in five or ten years, look at the people that you're hanging around with. Right, right, right. And I always want to think, how can I up-level the people around sure. me, right? Well, joining I, my entrepreneur- apologies for being No, here. yeah, come on, hey. You, so um, I, I joined Entrepreneurs Organization in order to up-level. And as you know, I joined EO because of meeting That's you. interesting. Right? right? So there's a, there's a time... There's many times in any given year that we all have an opportunity to say, is this the right group I'm supposed to be in or can I find a way to up-level? Can I find a way to up-level, right? And I saw Marshall speak. I knew his books and I just said, I've got to find a way to see if I can spend some more time with this person. Maybe there's something that I can do, right? So, um, so what's the, the worst that's going to happen? He's either going to not gotcha. respond to the email or he's going to write back and say, no, I'm not interested. I don't have time. Well, and that's where I was going. Right. That's where I was going. So, so, <laughs> yeah, taking the initiative. Right. Uh, the worst thing that happens, you're in the exact same place you already were. Right. So, beautiful. All right. Well, that's fantastic. Offline, I want to learn a little bit more about that. Happy to tell you about it. Um, so, we talked about defining success. What do you consider your three best habits 
I am going to go with my, um, I'm actually going to go with my 10, 10, 10 practice, which I learned from Warren Rustand, who's a, um, oh, I love Warren. You know, Warren oh, yeah. through, as an EO speaker the and we've gone arrow, through the, the yes. spoken word. Yeah. So, um, I <laughs> find that when I am most in tune and on track, I'm doing his simple 10, 10, 10 practice, which is, um, 10 minutes of reading inspirational thoughts, 10 minutes of thinking, um, inspirational, uh, powerful thoughts, and then um, 10 minutes of writing. For me, that's journaling. Um, I started and stopped it many times. Um, it finally stuck when I realized that the journals that I was writing, I wasn't writing them for me. I was writing them for my daughters. Yeah. <laughs> Everything in my life changed when I realized that the actions that I was taking were not about me. If I went for a run, it wasn't about me. It was about living longer for them. Right. If I choose to eat healthy, it's not about me. It's about me being here and around longer for my family. Writing is about leaving breadcrumbs this is why we're for those people. Back. We're going right? to go through that. Yeah, that's legacy, baby. Right, and then, and this is the this is the theme, and this is the um, subject that I'm currently uh, swimming in in the process of writing this book. It's good. Collect butterflies. I collecting butterflies and, and speaking. I'm taking yeah. every speaking opportunity I've got, yeah. so that every time I get on stage, yeah. I, it gets tighter, it gets more refined, it gets. Yeah. I can. It flows better. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I got I got a chance to speak at MIT last year, and now I, I'm going to be flying to Portugal in three weeks to go speak That's with true. a group there. And um, I feel very honored to, to be able to share this. Beautiful. So that's just one habit. Oh, sure. You don't have to, but. But one or two more, perhaps. Well, I would say, I'm, unless I'm, you consider that three. Well, I mean, it's it's, it's kind of it's, it's kind it's of three. three. It is. Three. It's kind of three. Sure. Um, I was thinking it was one because it was the ten 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 rule, but it is. No, three that's behavior. fine. And then another one um, that I often do, I struggle with sometimes, but when I'm on it, I'm really on. Is actually uh, Marshall Goldsmith's daily questions. I think of all of the um, of all of the tools that are out there that I find to stay on track. Marshall's daily questions are the best. Um, they're questions that you write yourself, that you are asking yourself, did I do my best job to? Um, and here's the thing that I really like about them is um, they are not binary, yes or no, did I go for a run? They are, um, did I do my best to have a good workout? And you rate yourself on a one to 10. So it actually gives this scale Um and when you're truly honest with yourself, it can be incredibly powerful, impactful. We're sure. looking at building an app for it. We wow. haven't committed to that, but we're I looking at I, I think it'll be great. I think the world needs it. I think I need it. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. I want to be super clear, Martin. The reason that I'm involved in all of these tools and all of this stuff and all of this process is because I probably grew up as the worst in the world at not having this stuff. You know, it's the stuff that like eludes Absolutely. you, but that you have to figure out, like there's probably a bunch of people on this, on this, that right. are listening that are going, this stuff's it's basic. So I do right. this. This right, is right. easy. Right. But for me, this is what has been traditionally hard. Um, and then, uh, like for example, like I, I mean, I never worked out. Right. I mean, I never did anything growing up. I was never on any sports teams I, with all that travel and everything that I did. Um, but I finally decided I needed to start running. So I started running. Um, last year I rode, I ran, uh, 500 miles and I did my first marathon. So, you know, but it wasn't easy. It just took time. It, it's a great reminder that. The past doesn't dictate the future. And Thank we God. can actually use it. Well, yeah, and we can use it. I mean, yeah. it's all elastic. It's all right. whatever we want. So, wow. All right, we only have five-ish minutes, and we got to wrap this up. I'm sorry. Right, you got it. Because you've been unbelievable. This is so good. Um, so we went through the habits. If you were more of a standard pat question, um, if you were to give yourself... Hmm. Your twenty-year-old self, some advice. Yeah, what might you tell him? <laughs> God, that's that's interesting because my twenty-year-old self was doing a lot of great things and a lot of things that were totally <laughs> off the mark. <laughs> wow, wow. Um, let me see. What would I have done? Um, I 
I probably would have paid attention to what I needed to do on the relationship side of life earlier. Um, I love my wife and I wish that I had met her earlier in life. It would have given us more time together. Mm. I just, I was just pushing it off, pushing it off. And I was living a very self-centered, uh, egotistical, what mattered to me life in the beginning. It took me a while to turn that around. Um, I would say that, uh, getting those daily habits really nailed down early, um, I feel like it took me a decade or two longer than it should have, and it impacted my ability to be successful earlier. Um, I would say getting around entrepreneurs or the people that I wanted to be like earlier might have projected me wow. down where I wanted wow. to go okay. sooner. Um, and as much as I consider myself a saver, and I like to think that I am from a financial perspective, if I could really roll the <laughs> clock back, I would have said that I could have been two or three times more aggressive on saving and investing. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I had a couple of years in my 20s where I drove a really, really cool, really, right. really fast car. And now, today, um, I, I would trade that experience for, you know, that same amount of money yep. worth of any tech stock pick apple microsoft whatever it doesn't even matter it could be freaking hp and it still would have been better than the value that i got out of that material item (laughs) that brought (laughs) some short-term thing so um yeah if i were to roll back and that and that those are those are the tips that's the advice i'll I'll give to my daughters and to any young person that's listening the question will be will they listen (laughs) (laughs) well we'll see right um Going back to habits really quick, is there any, and some people opt not to answer this, it's understandable, is there a bad habit you're trying to break? Gosh. (laughs) So you know what, Martin? Um, Here's the thing. When I realize that I'm addicted to something, for example, um, I've reached the point where I consciously eradicate it from my life and I go cold turkey on it. Okay. So I did it. So I, there was a point in my life where I was playing too many video games. I thought that you it's were going to go there. I was. And um, <laughs> I was playing, you know, I, now this is a while back. I was playing World of Warcraft and whatever. And I had like a level 58 character. And I was thinking, God, if I ever get to 60, I'm screwed. Because right. anyhow, it, right. it opens up a whole different level. Of the world. I literally, <laughs> I literally turned it off, never turned it on again. I was okay. done. Got rid of all my uh, video game devices. Same thing. Um, I, I was you- drinking... What would people start to but, yeah. but some people struggle with cold turkey yeah. stuff. So, so the advice I tend to to give is to substitute, like oh, I, rather than create a void, yes. put something else in the place. I so I'm just wondering what what replaced if something did the video games? Was it maybe it was running? Maybe it was who knows? God, I I would love to say that right. it really did. But in my, in my world, uh-huh. it, it didn't. Okay. And sort of, um, the, the feeling that I get out of going cold turkey on something is, um, such a rush yep. that it compensates for it by itself. Okay. I did the same thing with, uh, with coffee. I realized that I was drinking one or two cups of coffee every day. Right. That doesn't, may not sound like a lot to people. My wife literally just one time said to me, why do you have to have that? Are you addicted? And I questioned myself, right. am I addicted? Sure. That day I stopped. I haven't had one since. But you're drinking something else. Yes. Maybe. Sure. I'm drinking tea. Okay. All right. Yes. Okay. So that's true. Yeah. Um, But for a while I wasn't drinking anything. So I did come back. I don't know. (laughs) No, I get it. That's good. I I don't know. Um, I'm not. uh, Look, I have not got this figured out at all. Trust me. These you know bad habits get me. But like, um, I don't know. I think I've reached a, a point in my life where I, I can, I can almost reason it's, it out. I, I, you know? I'm with you in a lot of regard that, that I love the, the discipline challenge. In yeah. other words, am, am I addicted? Do I need to create some boundaries here yeah. and work, yeah. live within them? Yeah. So it's a moderation yeah. challenge. That said, I am very streaky. I'm very, when I'm on a streak and I'm going, like right. I'm going, and then if I get off that streak, right. it can take me a while to get back on the saddle. Okay, a couple more. Man, this has been epic. All right, favorite books, transformative books. Uh, outside of the habit factor? Right. <laughs> 
Good one. Uh, Marshall Goldsmith Triggers was awesome. Uh, Charles Duhigg, his book on habits is uh, fantastic. I'm sure your readers know about these. Um, the power of now was transformational for me mm. at a, uh, um, at a spiritual level. Um, understand that, that, that's the book that helped me to understand, um, that emotions and being emotionally connected stuff is connected with living in the past or living in the future. And it's allowed me to start step away from the emotional feeling on a lot of stuff and just being in the present moment, enjoying right. how right. much I'm in the present moment yep. with you right now without thinking about anything else, wow. right? Just being sure. totally present with you. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe I'll take a picture on my bookshelf if you, for you, for your, for your no, listeners. Great. I mean, I, I, I get it. I, I surround myself it's with books. Good. I love it's a, it. It's a my, standard question my, I ask. And, and I don't think, I think power of now may have come up once and I'm surprised when really? you say that yeah. it doesn't come up more. Oh my God. I, I like that. I that enjoyed, book. enjoyed that book. All right. This is going to sound like a softball. Annie. <laughs> Any favorite tech tool, gadget, website, or app that, <laughs> that at the moment you cannot live without, and it excludes the device itself, the phone. So um, <laughs> I am I am genuinely enjoying the new Marshall Goldsmith app that we Great. put out, um, particularly because he's a dear friend, and I love hearing his stories over right. and over and over, sure. and I find that that helps me a lot. Um, outside of our own stuff, I'm just a big productivity guy. Um, so I love doing things that help run the business, help the business to run smoother. I'm big on 15.5, which is just for team management and communication. Is that an app? I love it. Or, uh, um, it's an online, it's online. an online, yeah. 15.5. 15.5, the number one five and then the word, yep. uh, yep. yeah, numbers. Um, I love it. Um, and then we're really, I mean, this, this sounds geeky and nerdy and silly. We're just getting, we're getting process in and we're getting into a sauna and I, you know, I don't know. I'm always looking for things to improve the process, improve the process, get it improve to be systematized, process. right? Systematize. That's it. Okay. Well, we look at that. We did very good on our time. Um, so the final thing, yes, I love to give our guests yes. the opportunity to mention, and this may be a bit of a challenge, but but where they can find out more, I was sure. going to say something to promote. This sure. may not go live, actually. It's maybe a bit out in the future. So if it's a super timely promotion. No, it's fine. You know what I would say? If anyone's interested in learning more about me or the companies that I run, they can go they to my, my personal website. So okay. uh, it's michellecripolani.com. It's M-I-C-H-E-L, uh, K-R-I-P-A-L-A-N-I. And we are going to put Definitely. that all in the show yeah. notes. That's great. And you know, that's, that's where I'm, I'm, I'm starting to move into this world of speaking and coaching right. and doing, uh, facilitation. I help people to do their one year plans for their business and stuff. I love that stuff. Yeah. I love it. It's great. Get a, get a group of people in the room yeah, and figure well, out once, where to go. And once you see how impactful it has been for you, for your companies. Yeah. You have that urge to share. Help it. others. Yeah. That's right. Um, and right. you know what's funny about it? Sometimes I feel like I can help others better than I can help myself. Because I come at it from this <laughs> outside perspective. Yeah. And it's like, guys, it's really guys or yeah. girls. Right. It's really obvious. Like, right. let's put it together. Let's put it there. And then when I try to run my own facilitations, it's a totally different thing. Because I'm yeah. deep in the mud and I'm like, I know the sticky yeah. stuff. Plus, and- everybody is so familiar with everybody. Yeah. yeah. It, it's really valuable to have an outside. All right, Michelle. Well, that was unbelievable. Yeah. Thank you. This is Educational an honor. and enlightening. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to some of our offline conversation as well. So thank you again. Final words. Say goodbye. Oh, thank you. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> God, I love it. Love you. I appreciate you uh, having me on the program. And um, I look forward to coming back yes. when I can talk more about legacy and oh, this project that I'm working it's on. It's right up there. Look, the reason the podcast exists, mm-hmm. yep. the reason the habit factor was written, and then the pressure paradox, I mean, bigger things than I even understood at the time, um, all in line with this idea of, like, sharing something. Yeah. So, so Make yeah, it, a it, fits. Place. it fits very well. All right, Michelle, we are going to pull the plug here. Say goodbye. Goodbye.
Hey, really quick, I just want to remind you if you want to grab your habits and goals tracking template, the template that started it all, you can get that really quickly. Just text me at 33444 and simply text the word habits. That is habits, H-A-B-I-T-S, to 33444, and you will get the tracking template immediately. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Thanks for dropping a quick review. It'll take you less than 30 seconds if you're getting value. I'm out.